We need to up our game and shit. We need to do comedy butt naked, right? <laughs> 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 his eye socket off and his uh, eyeball fell out. White women keep kidnapping us. <laughs> Y'all seen the blind side. Aren't you uh, glad we have that disclaimer? Uh, I'm glad you have some. It's going to come in handy for this This episode of the Voice Party Podcast is brought to you by Rich City Rides. Ride further, ride together. Get your ride on with Rich City Rides. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Voice Party Podcast. It's me, JD, here. I got Phil, the ones and twos. What's up, Phil? What's happening, honkies? What's up? <laughs> we got a very special guest today. I talked to this guy about a month ago. Yeah. And um, another fellow Richmond comic. Give it up for Dan Gonzo Me- Mechanic. Mechanic, that's right. Hey, how, how's everybody doing how out there? How are you doing today? YouTube land, voice party land. Oh, man. It's, it's always great to have someone on here that's a comic, and especially you've been doing it for a long time. 37 years. Wow. Yeah, and my dating profile says I'm 36, so a lot of people <laughs> get confused. You know what I mean? It's like, you can do the math. You know, 37 years I've been doing it. I'm 58, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm 5'9", 210, so uh, yeah. So you started back in 1985, 80... Uh, somewhere in the late 80s. Late 80s. Yeah, 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 professionally in the late 80s. What, what, like, how was your first time on stage? Like, what got you to go perform stand-up? Um, actually, my first time, I was actually three years old, and I was over at the Fairfield Hotel, and I was at a family gathering, and my mom, uh, I was in a little sport coat and stuff, oh, yeah. and my mom put me up on the table. I stood on the table, and I did this story, Fortunately, Unfortunately, which was like a children's book. Yeah. And I got a great response. And then, um, you know, my family's in show business. My aunt's a producer. She was on the Ed Sullivan show. Oh, wow. And so I would um, go to the tapings, and I saw Ed Sullivan, and I thought, wow, cool cool way to make a living. So three years old, yeah, it was my first gig. And I did I did well. I liked work in the room, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's funny you say that because that's the, the way I started. Okay, for your family? Telling jokes in front of the family. Yeah, I'd yeah, hear, yeah. I'd hear street jokes with cousins. I had older cousins. Right. And I'd come back to the family parties to share you know the jokes some of them were inappropriate but it's right. just, you know i i'd like the the idea of making people laugh just with words you know right absolutely yeah absolutely so, so that's, that's how that's how you first started telling first books. first gig wow <laughs> yeah 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 and then i would perform a lot in school i went to the performing arts school in long island and oh, um, okay. my first gig where i got paid i was doing an amateur comedy contest in uh aspen colorado I was living there. I, I got in uh, to the club with a fake ID. Wow! And I was broke. I was How trying old were to. You? I was 20. I was trying to be a ski bum, and it was like the off season, and yeah. I had been fired off some construction sites because I'm, you know, not good at that. Yeah. And uh, I went and I won, and then I won like 14 weeks in a row. Wow! 200 bucks back then. That was good money. I was paying 300 bucks for rent. You know. 200 bucks for the Aspen Comedy Festival. Well, no, that wasn't a festival. That was a contest. Contest. At this uh, nightclub called the Tipler Nightclub, a.k.a. the Crippler. <laughs> it was a nightclub right at the base of Aspen Mountain, kind of notorious, real party spot. And, uh, yeah, it was a $200 grand prize, um, and I won 14 weeks, and that's kind of how I got into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 14 weeks in a row? Yeah. What was comedy like back then? Um... 
it was a lot freer because nobody was taping you on their cell phones, right? So I'd show up, uh, I'd get on stage at 10 or 11 o'clock. Most of the audience was completely out of their mind on cocaine and alcohol. They oh, were completely yeah. wasted. It was a resort town. Those audiences must have been... Oh, yeah. I mean, and then you just get on stage. I would do like six minutes of just raunchy material and yeah. get people worked up into a frenzy and then take my money and spend it at the bar and buy party favors for my friends. And it was like, you didn't really care about... At that time, I didn't care about being famous or what I was going to do for my career. I mean, it was 20 years old. I was glad that I was able to get in with a fake ID and, and no one put two and two together. That's uh, I think that's something that comics now don't have to go through is performing for coked out. <laughs> well, I was Aspen as the 80s, you know. Yeah. That, <laughs> the, the Pablo Escobar diet, you know. <laughs> what was that like? Was that, uh, were the, was it, were the audiences aggressive? Was it? Uh, no. I mean, Aspen's a premier resort, right? Yeah, so yeah, you have yeah. people who are there, they're ready to party. And this was like a lot of ski bums because it was the off season. God. So I had like 15 roommates at the time and they would come down to the show and support me. And uh, it was great. They were rowdy and they had a great time. And I, I still have a fan base there to this day you still do you still go out there to perform? Uh, um, last time i performed in colorado was in a rifle colorado uh, and they had a big oil boom there and i worked for a bunch of wildcatters and uh yeah they were a wild group it, i know you you mentioned uh we because we talked a little bit yesterday on the phone and you mentioned the um how carrying around credits back then you'd show up with a newspaper yeah or something like that yeah that to me I, that's like yeah that makes sense but i've never heard of that and a lot of for a lot of the younger comics maybe if you want to touch on that because that's you know that would be the easiest way to just show up to a well yeah back in the day <laughs> if you got like a newspaper article or a magazine article that said you were funny yeah that's how you would get gigs so if someone was coming into aspen and like tommy chong or gary shanling or some of the other guys i, I opened for you would send their manager a copy of your clip Wow. of your newspaper clipping and they'd go okay well this guy's a comedian let's put him on no there was no youtube you weren't mailing out beta, beta tapes or anything like that because that's not what they want as in clips they want to clip <laughs> well now i spend all my budget on like my website dangonzomechanic.com the youtube clips the tiktoks the instagram the facebook and uh you know you have to watch everything you say things can take it out of context or whatever it's yeah a, right. it's a different world it's a different you know? world now you that's do an act and interpol shows up you know what i mean like, what the fuck's going on here? <laughs> and, and that's that's a thing that I know with you know with your 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 shows now getting recorded. It's like we're in a different world now, where different. you know people film you, and then you know I know back then you could get aw get away with doing the same bits in the same city for longer than you can now because that's you know. well for the contest i was doing different material were, because okay. it was the same audience it was the same nightclub oh, um you're coming out with new material every show yeah i still do i mean i'm primarily a writer i love to write i love coming up with stuff and i love the the uh, ability to put a joke out there and just see if it works yeah. as opposed to running it through the hollywood grist mill where you have development executives and you have to wait and people are like you know judgmental or whatever when you when you're funny is funny right right you write a joke if it works it's great if it doesn't you don't use it again you uh i know with your 
your your stage name is Dan Gonzo. I, I asked you about that right briefly, and I asked, is that because of the Gonzo journalism with Hunter S. Thompson? And yeah, I mean, um, I was lucky enough to know Hunter. Uh, he introduced no one of my shows in Aspen. He's a well-known uh, personality there, and um, he he actually introduced me at the uh, at the Wheeler Opera House. Uh, I was part of a sketch comedy group, so that was a big honor. And we'd see him around town. And um, later on in my career, when I worked in in Asia, they would I do a lot of newspaper magazine. Uh, articles and they would always go like oh you're Jewish you're a comedian you're like Seinfeld <laughs> and I'm like as far away from Seinfeld I'm nothing against Jerry I love him but yeah. I'm nothing like him right, yeah. and and my style is much more like Hunter Thompson in that um, the gonzo journalism style is one where you're in a crazy story and then you insert yourself into the story as a catalyst and also as kind of the last person standing yeah. sort of like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas right which is like um, I mean that's his writings like you know no one else had done stuff like that before. Um, yeah, no, he definitely yeah, yeah, invented he, that yeah. style. And then my coming up in Aspen, you know, kind of right after while he was still in his heyday, yeah. definitely influenced me. And then as I went on in my career, that's just a style I took on. I like to tell crazy stories rather than like one-liners or, you know, family-oriented stuff. Did you get to party with him? Um, <laughs> no, not a lot. <laughs> he was definitely partying. <laughs> he was walking into the bathroom stalls with like six guys following him often oh, um, wow. so there was a lot of uh, but I didn't party with him particularly okay. but he was definitely around town for yeah, sure because yeah. I've never met anyone that like that's why when when it, I talked to you about doing this you know doing the podcast I especially since you've been in comedy so long like there's got to be a lot of stories that you have. Oh, my which, God. Which this may be a two-parter episode. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's epic. Yeah, yeah. What was one of the, like, early on, like, is there any, any stories that stand out from your... Well, I mean, working for Gary uh, with Tommy Chong from Cheech and Chong, because I was a huge uh, Cheech and Chong fan. Yeah. And I got hired to open eight shows for him. Wow. And it was really remarkable, like, not just doing the shows, but seeing him before and hanging out with him. Yeah. And I don't get high or drink before I work, because I have enough problems you know remembering <laughs> yeah. my junk but he was smoking weed there in the green room and he was so kind of self-effacing I was like wow it's a real honor to work with you he's like Dan it's cool be cool <laughs> you know? and and he was really great and my parents were there and we all took pictures together and and it just showed me that you can be famous and be cool yeah and and really right. and, and he was funny and I still use a couple of his jokes that I stole from him <laughs> and, and I, I owe Tommy a lot because I've also used that his credit of working with him over the years Years yeah. without you know sending him any money so <laughs> thank you Tommy do you did you go did you travel on the road with him or was it no he was doing um, shows in Aspen so what would happen is when famous comedians would come to Aspen yeah. or the Aspen comedy festival that I was in I would get to o open for the guys because I was kind of like the the past the most comedy, popular regular, regular. local comedian yeah in the okay. area yeah yeah but, and you also work with another one of my favorite comics Gary Shandling yeah I opened for Gary Shandling at the uh, Wheeler Opera House and he was another really great guy and and you know he gave me callbacks on stage and he was very encouraging and I killed yeah. when I opened for him and the next night Howie Mandel canceled me because oh. he didn't want some local going up there so as much as I love Gary Howie not so much <laughs> wow that's and that was back when he used to put the the little glove in his head right? yeah I mean <laughs> yeah 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 but that, that comedy festival opened a lot of doors for me and then I got onto the comic relief university tour 
worked a lot of universities and stuff, which was really cool. And you also went to Taiwan to do comedy. Yeah, I, I did. I was in Taiwan and uh, part of a very burgeoning scene over there. What year was that? Uh, that was in like the early 2000s, like 2004 to 2008 and there was a big growing scene over there and I kind of got on the wave as one of the uh, expat comics over there and they actually opened a club uh, Taipei Comedy Club and they I headlined have, there a bunch of times. They, they have a club in, in uh, they have two now. And you were performing for the locals or you um, there's a big expat community so you got about 50,000 English speaking foreigners there and then you have what they call ABC American Born Chinese so yeah. people who speak English mm -hmm. and then you'd have the Taiwanese themselves who knew enough English to come and enjoy the show and uh, you know it's an island so it's very insular yeah and there were probably like 12 comedians working uh, regularly and it was a great scene very good money and uh, great audiences really had a good time what size were the, the like the audiences there like usually like between 80 and 150 people Wow yeah 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 every night um, pretty much, yeah. I mean, I was pretty popular. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I was in all the newspapers and magazines and stuff, so I had a, a following. Wait, so when you do when you do something like that, um, right now, if you wanted to go back over there, would would it be? Because I know some people like we've had a, a guest on here who had a big following in Chile. <laughs> okay. And he just went to Chile, and in here he's doing the same clubs as we are. Right. But then over there, he's you know he's seen as like the, you know. Uh, famous foreigner. <laughs> um, I think I, you know, I get a lot of press here. I don't wouldn't know what famous and what constitutes famous right, anymore. Right. Or if yeah. I want to be famous, I think if I went back because I know all the media outlets there. Yeah. I could. I'd love to go back and shoot like a Netflix special or it's an HBO want. special. Yeah, yeah. Because I have material specific to that island and to that culture, uh, which is unique. Yeah. No one's doing Taiwan jokes. No. And certainly no foreigner. No. Um, so I would definitely go back there, and I, I love the island. Well, I Taiwan ni hao uh, lao ba. <laughs> For all the Taiwanese, yeah, baby, uh, people watching comedy, Lao Bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's cool. That that's awesome. That you know, because for me, I, I never, I've never thought about doing comedy in, outside of the the states, right? Um, and I think a lot of comics probably wouldn't uh, try that, you know, just because it sounds to me, it sounds like. Especially Taiwan, you know. <laughs> well, Taiwan's a democracy, and it's right. a libertarian environment. So they're very uh, uh, pro-American, pro-free speech. God. Uh, they're democratic. They're very open-minded, kind people. Yeah. And uh, best-looking girls in the world. Oh, I bet. Beautiful. <laughs> I, bet, I miss you all. <laughs> you also have written songs and, and produced music. Yeah, I'm a lyricist, yeah. so a lyricist. once in a while I get some songs made. So you're all uh, all-around writer. I'm a writer. I write screen plays, uh, I write jokes, I write lyrics, um, I write ad copy, whatever is paying or I'm inspired to do. So right now, are you doing a lot of that or have you done? I'm working with an artist uh, named Austin Moe who's out of the Sacramento area. He's managed by the guys from the rock band Tesla, if you remember them, yeah, Frank Hannon. Yeah, and we just put out a single, um, uh, Back into the Kingdom, which is, this kid's a phenom. He's like a white Hendrix. He's great. Were you, are, you writing, are you writing music at home currently, like outside from that? Well, I write lyrics and I send them to different artists, and if they want to do them, I, I share the writing credits and let them produ produce it. There's very little money for writers in the in the music business, so yeah. it's more of a hobby where, you know, comedy is how I'm making my, my living. And you mentioned... Uh 
you're working on a screenplay. I have, I've written many, many. Uh, we had one option by um, uh, Project Eight Films, okay. and I got Mick, uh, Mick Davis attached to, to direct. We're talking to Andy Garcia. It's a, it's a vigilante movie actually set, not a comedy. It's a vigilante uh, set in Richmond. Oh wow! Yeah. Is there? Can you talk about that a little bit? Or well, it's called Booby Trap, and basically it's a it's a middle class woman, a Latina woman, and 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 she has a number of items stolen from her and her family, just petty crimes. Yeah. And she starts booby trapping items, <laughs> and it gets caught on video and goes kind of um, global, and it's sort of a cross between falling down and network. And people really have responded to the to the script, and we're looking forward to shooting it hopefully this year. Wow, and it's based in Richmond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I had a bunch of stuff stolen, so I, <laughs> I kind of hit the wall. It's like a reve revenge fantasy, I guess. You know? Are you? So you you? How long have you been in Richmond for? I uh, bought a place here in 2008. 2008. So you've yeah, been yeah. here for a long time. Yeah, Marina Bay. Marina Bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I know you, I mean, we're doing a show together. You booked me on your show. Yeah, Baltic Kiss, Baltic February Kiss. 24th. Yes. Um, and you, but you've, this is, uh, you've done a couple of shows already in Richmond. Uh, I've been, I've been doing shows here for years. For years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I founded uh, comedy at the Craneway, at the Craneway Pavilion, back when that was the Boiler House. Yeah. So that was my first set of Richmond gigs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mentioned that uh, recently when we talked, and that... That was the show I saw that got me to want to do stand-up. Ah, that's cool. I went there to see stand-up. Don't sue me. You <laughs> <laughs> should have gone into banking. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, when you mentioned that, that, I went there to see a show where I saw some of my friends that are now doing uh, stand-up also, and that was the reason I got involved in stand-up. Nice. In a way, you got that. Okay. Over, you know. I'm glad it's paying off with this great <laughs> podcast. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I, um, it's, it's, it's one thing to see it on TV for me. Right. And then there's another, you know, to go and at a, at a local bar. That oh, I'd feel the energy. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I was still, I think I was, I wasn't even 21 at the time. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I was going in, uh, with my brother's ID to go watch stand up. Nice. Long time before I, I turned 21. And, yeah. And that's what got me to want to do stand up. There's nothing like the energy of a live performance. You know, being in the room is where it's at. Same with music. You know, when 100%. You, you talked about, you know, writing music. I, I was, are we, did you ever? Well, I'm more of a lyricist than a music writer. I don't play any don't instruments play or instrument. sing or anything like that. Yeah. For me, that's, that's, uh, I always draw inspiration from live music. Yeah. Comedy shows. There's something about being there. Absolutely. Really, you know, even, even the conversation we had on the phone yesterday compared to being in person is just to way different of course know, transfer of energy yeah and um when it comes to that like your show coming up at the uh, baltic kiss right uh, was it, uh, february 24th yeah i just we want to do a little plug for that right? yeah, yeah, yeah yeah well the baltic is a is a historic building and in um it's been there since 1900 at one point it was a funeral parlor at another point it was a brothel so brothel yeah so whether you're you're getting fucked or killing it's the place to be you know <laughs> <laughs> Perfect for comedy. Perfect for comedy. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. former whorehouse. So it should work out, you know. <laughs> That's true. I didn't make it up. No, yeah. I, I, I've heard about it that. It is a bordello. Place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, um, it's a good place for comedy. It's a, it's a, it's small, a great room. Uh, small, intimate. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Setting. Uh, Chef Tony, he used to be at uh, Black Pirate Barbecue in San Pablo. He opened it. Great barbecue. Uh, great food there. Southern food. And, you know, it's a really cool place. And Richmond needed a place to have live music. And we have an artistic community here, and he's been great to work with. That's the thing that's been a lot of 
you know, comics coming out of Richmond, a lot of comics coming from the city in Oakland to perform in Richmond. Yeah. And that's what I, I that's one of the things that, you know, that's how we started. We met. He's a filmmaker from Richmond. Right. from Richmond. And there's more people interested in the arts right now coming to Richmond for that. Well, because we've seen it all here, right? Nothing in the rich is going to surprise you. I no. mean, from city government on down, it's a nonstop crazy show here. <laughs> so there's no way you're going to freak anybody out in Richmond. Right. Right? Yeah. I mean. Yeah, no, yeah, and and the thing about it right now is this, you know, it's it's great that you don't have to go to the city to see good stand-up. Oh yeah, it's it's you know it's right here. And for you, I mean, you were doing comedy in the East Coast for a long time. Oh yeah, I, I stand up New York, and I also worked a lot of um, boats out of South Street Seaport, party boats, oh, after yeah. prom boats, stuff like that. How was that? Uh, good money. Yeah. Great. They'd put me on a boat with um, like there'd be a prom, and then they'd put the prom kids on the boat at two in the morning with the DJ and a comedian and a buffet and I was the comedian and so for like May and June I worked every night wow. and it was between like three and five hundred bucks a night and, and, the and this is in the 90s yeah this is out of New York and South Street Seaport and then I also worked a lot of party boats out of LA Balboa Island Long Beach um, just very good money have you have you uh, done like the cruise ship thing? no 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 oh. I would just do day you know, okay. party drunk drunk boats would you do that now the party like I have a dog and I own a house and stuff, so less so. But I like to go work in Vegas or L.A. if I get the gigs right. I just worked in Vegas a couple weeks ago, so. How, how was that? Excellent. I worked at the uh, Ahern Hotel and Convention Center. I was booked by a good friend of mine, Lorenzo Clark, who's an amazing magician and comedian himself. Yeah. And uh, it was exciting. I got to see my name in lights. Got the Elvis suite, the green room. <laughs> it was good, you know. That's awesome. That's yeah, what, it was that, nice. That's like uh, I've never I've never done anything in Vegas. But yeah, it was cool. Is, is it? Uh, uh, like big audiences I imagine it wasn't like a huge audience so much as um, like the exciting part was really seeing my name in neon for me and and just being in Vegas and having that on my CV and uh, working with there were some other comics there who I knew from back in the day and uh, the guy who booked me Lorenzo was at the Magic Castle he was a regular at the castle and I used to hang out there a lot so it was kind of just great to work with an old friend yeah and a great room do you remember your first time performing stand-up as an adult like after not not as a kid, but I guess. Yeah, that was at the Tipler at Aspen, Aspen. when I was working uh, those amateur nights, and that was great. And then I worked at a place called uh, Ebby's in Aspen. I had a regular show there. Later turned into Planet Hollywood there. Planet um, Hollywood, yeah. And it was a really cool, it was a disco, and the, and the roof would open. And I uh, had a weekend show there. I do two, two, nights, uh, two nights a week there also, which was really cool. Wow. What was this, 80, 80? This is in the 90s. This is 90s. moving into the early 90s. Early 90s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I always ask every comic this. Um, like, you know, there's a couple of questions I, on the first episode we have a comic on that I ask. You know, the first is the first time you saw stand-up right. that you really liked, like what, what stand-up act you saw for the first time that made you think, man, I want to try this. Um, do you remember? Yeah, I was three years old, and um, we went uh, to the Ed Sullivan, Ed show, Sullivan show with my aunt. She was a producer on the show. Oh, wow. And um, we sat in the audience, and I saw this guy come up on stage and all the light and everybody kissing his ass and I was like well that's the job was it the guy that comes on before that? no it was Ed oh it was Ed but I was like that's the job oh he wasn't yeah. necessarily a stand-up but he was kind of an MC and whatever and I was three and I was like yeah well, he did, he, did he do like a monologue before the yeah you know he uh, yeah. a big, big show <laughs> a really big show yeah, yeah so that's the first time yeah that's the first time it really like kind of registered with me yeah and then um, she would work on some sitcoms um, I saw Jimmy Walker
locker open like before good times like early 70s wow. he was the warm-up guy and and i thought wow this guy's like really funny um oh so you've seen a lot of cool yeah and then i think like um in the early 70s a lot of guys had um, comedy albums yeah so my family would have the comedy albums like the mel brooks albums with carl uh, reiner carl like reiner. the 2000 year old man yeah or the uh, george carlin record seven words you can't say and we'd listen to the records wow and so the records were really cool you know um we had we had a bill cosby record he worked clean we saw how that worked out huh <laughs> that's why we don't work clean <laughs> yeah. yeah shooting quaaludes out of a pez dispenser at the playboy mansion hey bill how's it going that's yeah no yeah. that's that's a um that's a thing like you never expected you know <laughs> yeah from a clean guy america's dad here yeah, have another right. quaalude hey thanks how's that working out for you wow yeah so you grew up listening to your family listen to comedy albums. yeah yeah we were yeah. we were you know again i was tuned into the showbiz world at an early early oh age. Yeah, yeah the yeah. nepotism never helped me i want to be clear about that it, it actually worked in reverse somehow i don't know why but it just gave me an idea that i could do it you right, know yeah. right and so so you were exposed to to you know the stage so you you kind of had a thing where you probably didn't have stage fright or at an early age never 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 and That's i never awesome. do no no and you mentioned you don't when the, like when you a joke bombs you don't care you just i got to enjoy that that's the next thing i always ask comics is your your worst bombing story where it just you know like do you oh have, my worst bombing story I, I love hearing these yeah i was working in after prom for bronx high school uh, and this was on a boat without a stage so i was first of all I'm just on the boat yeah. I'm backed up against the rail there's no stage and these kids were huge these were all kids from the Bronx they were all like six five these big kids Jesus. they were wasted out of their minds it was like three in the morning after their prom and I started doing the gig and they started yelling about their basketball team and their football team and their sports and whatever and it was the only time I've ever done this I handed the mic over to them I said you guys have a good time oh wow do your thing yeah and yeah. I went back into the green room I had a date with me and uh, I ended up getting paid and I got lucky that night so I think she felt bad for me it was like a mercy it was like a mercy kind of situation it's but like you do this for a living it's the only time I've ever given up the mic wow no stage and the kids they, were huge yeah yeah I can imagine you know that. so Bronx High School you win <laughs> <laughs> well that's what I I like asking like you know we I talked about this with uh, uh, Tony Sparks off off oh uh, yeah I love you know? Tony the yeah, god the godfather a, the godfather there's a guy we have in comedy. He's yeah. the reason we met. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, you know, I do a lot of shows with him. And, like, the, the whole thing with the, the um, uh, Chris Rock getting slapped on stage. When when you see that, like, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, comics are going to get start getting attacked on stage. That's already happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, have yeah. You, have you ever had anything like that a happen? A physical altercation? Yeah. No. No. Luckily, not <laughs> no, uh, uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. That's, okay, that, because I, I have seen that, you know. I did get, I, I did have my mic turned off once also and got moved off stage, and oh. this was early, um, after I had done the amateur comedy contest, I had just, really had just dirty material. Yeah. And a friend of mine, uh, Mirtha Shirt, he's a famous guy in Aspen, he decided to be my manager, and he booked me into um, a ski resort, uh, like a cafeteria in the ski lodge. Yeah. And, and so there I am, like, lunchtime at the ski lodge, and I'm telling jokes about, like, lesbians, and doing blow and getting laid by tourists and their kids walking around in ski boots and it was sponsored by like I think the local radio station K-Snow and they turned off the mic and they're like you're done really yeah and I just skied away you I still got paid I got paid nice yeah but that's when
when I realized you kind of have to tailor your your material for the room. So you so you can you can do clean all the way if you have to. I mean, if I have to. Yeah. Yeah, I prefer, you prefer not, not to. Not to. Yeah. Same here. You know. That's that's always the first thing I ask now when because I, I have been booked on like a show where it was like a church show. Right. I didn't know it was a church show. Oh yeah. I, I do yeah. jokes about getting choked out during sex. And it's, <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> and then I found out with the reactions, you know. Yeah, the priests get excited. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're not like you know whatever. No, I mean I do some corporate some corporate shows whether it's Yahoo or Facebook or whatever. Yeah. Those shows you got to be super clean. Yeah. Um, I prefer to work like R. Yeah. So I just did like a yacht club. Yeah. I'm not gonna go super filthy at a yacht club, but I'm gonna do a lot of innuendo yeah. type of jokes, and 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 that's fine. People seem to enjoy that. So you you find a way to like find your own lane. You have to read the room. Right. I mean now when I walk in, I know what's going on. So you can tell the same jokes ten different ways. Right. Right. So yeah. Yeah, yeah and that's that's something I'm because I feel I'm still learning a lot of this as a young comic. I'm I'm seeing you know. You can drop certain words on the joke and it still works. Right. And that's something I didn't think before because I feel like I'm still figuring it out. And you can have tester jokes. Right. Towards the beginning. Yeah. So yeah. that'll give you an indication of where the, where the crowd is. And if they give you a little groan, you'll be like, that's the way it's going. <laughs> Fuck it, you know. <laughs> Do you still go for it if you hear the groans? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I let them know that's the way it's going to be. Yeah. And then they laugh. Yeah. You know, so a lot of times I love to do an aside. Yeah. You know, if like I tell a joke and it doesn't work, I have a bunch of Backs, like I'll be like, okay, I'm waiting for you. You know, <laughs> do I need to tell it again? Yeah. You know, I'll do I'll do the punch like yeah. three times until I get a laugh. I don't really care. Yeah, because I, that's the weirdest thing about audiences is they they sometimes look around. Is anyone else gonna laugh at this? Because I don't want to. You know, that's that's the that's how it usually goes. It's but, part of controlling a room. Yeah. You know, you have to let them know that you're in charge of what's going on and that they're gonna have a good time. I like to feel like when people come to see my show, it's more like it's less of a show and more like they're at a party with me. Right. We're all having a good time. We're all partying. They're wasted. We're having fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because I feel like that's, it's, it's, uh, if you don't have a good control over a room, you know, you can bury yourself with, uh, the yeah. reactions. And I, I, I've struggled with that when I first started. I, you know, I, I didn't treat them like we're at a party sometimes or like, I just, you know, like I felt like I was reading from a paper. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and that, a lot of comics don't know how to bounce out of that. Well, a lot of times it depends on whether you're working your fan base. So, like, yeah. if I have a regular fan base, my fans are coming to my show, they know what to expect. Yeah. If you're working a room of complete strangers, you're opening for someone else, then that can sometimes happen. Yeah. I use the analogy of The Grateful Dead, my favorite rock band. So, people go to see The Grateful Dead who love The Grateful Dead. It's an exciting experience. Everybody's tripping. We're having a great time they're dancing around the same band can play for a bunch of straight people who don't dig that kind of music and it's a drag right the band's still great yeah but it's the fans that make the experience which is why i try to cultivate a relationship with my fan base and as far as your fan base goes do you feel like you can you you have that where i mean right now you have an established fan base here in the bay area yeah yeah but for when it comes to where you're performing outside of that, yeah, do you, does it ever become a challenge? It hasn't. Yeah, like when I was in Vegas, right? It was like a small room the second night. It was like maybe 25 people, yeah. and they're like seniors. They're waiting to do karaoke after the show, yeah. and that's kind of more when you power through your material right. and you're still getting laughs, but they're not necessarily chanting and throwing stuff on stage and going nuts and lining up for <laughs> yeah. photos.
photos afterwards, right. you know? Yeah. And that's just part of it. Sometimes you're hitting home runs and sometimes you're hitting doubles, you know? And that's, and that's the, I'm, I'm asking, I guess as a younger comic, that's the, the struggle I, I had when I went from doing my Richmond shows that I used to produce here in Richmond and then in Berkeley. And then I went outside of that and it's like, Hey, how come they don't love me? <laughs> right. Yeah. Where's the love? <laughs> where's the love? Cause yeah. we're not doing it for the money, right? You're doing it for that natural high. If you come off a great show, you got an adre adrenaline rush that's gone for two days sometimes. Yeah, very much so. I mean, I did this very Yacht Club so. show. I was high for two days. Naturally, my endorphins were just going nuts. I couldn't even sleep. That's what, that's the struggle I'm dealing with now where, you know, I got to be out, up for work the next day at oh, yeah, 5.30, yeah. 5 you know, a.m. Right. And if I had a really good high the night before, have you found a way to balance that to come down from that? No, because I don't have a day job. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I do. So I wake up at 10.30 and just look at my dog like, all right, time to go out. <laughs> and that's the struggle that I'm having right now because right. some nights I do, you know, uh, doing a, a good show and, and it goes well and people want to buy stickers afterwards or whatever. Right. Then coming down from that. Yeah. That's what people don't realize, like, you, you know, like, I, I, I try not to drink or smoke or anything before the show. Because right. This, this gets you up here. Right. And a lot of people have never even experienced that. It's crazy. Yeah, and like after a show, and I like to party just as much or as little as the next guy, people want to buy you drinks. Yeah. And I'm usually like, I don't even want to drink because yeah. I got this natural thing going on that I, I can't get any other way, and I'm riding that feeling. I'm riding that rush, you know? That's such a strange thing that, like, you can't really explain to anyone that's never had that. No. Where you kill a show, and then the next day, you know, the, right after that, you, you're still... I would guess musicians probably have the same sensation you're For on sure. stage you're getting that energy feedback from the crowd yeah. um, but I think you have to perform live I don't think if you're like in a movie or a TV show you don't get no, that There's even if that, it's a good film you're yeah, in yeah, I don't yeah. think it's it's, uh, it's that you, palpable energy yeah have you ever acted in a film? No, I can't act. No? I can only play myself. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always the thing I ask comics, because a lot of comics are naturals at, you know, and and I figured that's probably... <laughs> yeah, I don't aspire to that. No? Uh-uh. Yeah, yeah, that's that's something, uh, um, because it, especially when, you, when you're on stage, it, I mean, uh, for a lot of guys, they feel like they do put on a... a a, a performance but for you do you feel like you're just being yourself or well I think that I'm being myself plus one you know I mean it's it, the gonzo is my is my brand yeah so I'm not walking around in the grocery store normally with a snakeskin jacket and sunglasses <laughs> and you know talking about but it, it is an extension of my personality I think my friends would tell you that I'm generally pretty pretty funny when yeah. we're hanging out mm -hmm. right do you have a process for writing your material where you sit down and write, or how, how do you come up with material? I'm, I'm not as, as a comic asking a fellow comic. Um, my process has changed, but right now what I do is I use voice memos. Yeah. So I'll come up with an idea, like it'll come out of nowhere, or I'll see something that triggers an idea, and I'll just uh, turn on my phone and record a little bit yeah. of, of whatever that joke is. And then um, when I have some quiet time where I'm getting ready to put together a set, I'll just go through my voice memos. And I'll usually put like stand up, you know, joke about crack joke about hookers joke about my dog joke about whatever it is yeah and then i'll just start listing the jokes and and i don't have to really write them out because i have them recorded so the voice memo has been like an amazing on your iphone or something on my iphone yeah yeah. yeah yeah and then usually what i'll do is once i have a running list pretty much when i'm walking my dog <laughs> i just do the do my shtick oh and yeah, so yeah, my yeah. neighbor's are like wow he's talking to himself but he's not homeless yet <laughs> 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 you know, they get nervous i'm sitting there laughing you know 
so you do you do say it before you perform. like for me i'm never saying a lot of the new jokes until i'm at the mic but do you is that like that's the thing you do you you actually say them out loud oh yeah I absolutely and i'll record myself doing a set like in my house oh wow on my and watch it yeah, Go, yeah. Oh, that could be funnier here this could be funnier there so by the time the joke comes out even if i've never used it before it's coming out pretty clean and, and, and also, um, in the old days, I used to bring notes onto stage, yeah. but I can't see without my glasses anywhere. <laughs> so now I have to kind of remember what it was. And, and what I have come to peace with is that if I miss a joke or if I'm not going in the right order, no one else knows or no one else cares. Right, right. And just being able to be comfortable up there and know I have this arsenal of material yeah. that I can pull from in a sort of a chronological order. Do you remember like your jokes back in the... In in the early days when you started, do you still do any of those? Um, you know, I just had a bunch of digitally remastered shows that yeah. I took like old discs and beta stuff. Yeah. And um, I did take some of the jokes. I had a joke that I, I stole from Tommy Chong <laughs> that I've been using again and again. Um, that's pretty popular. I think you yeah, mentioned yeah. you like that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'll see something that I really like. Like I have a show coming up after, um, before the Baltic, I have a show on the 10th. On the 10th. At the, at the Riggers uh, Loft Winery. Yep. And so I need like 80% new material for the next show yeah. and I have a bit that I took from a show that I did in 2006 about performing in Miami that's probably would not be appropriate for a winery because it involves snorting a mixture of coke and Viagra and fucking myself in the air that's a, I don't know if you're allowed to put that on the podcast <laughs> yeah absolutely okay yeah so it involves snorting a combination of cocaine Viagra and fucking myself in the ass um, which you know at a yacht club or a winery yeah, not so much but, shock somebody, but at the yeah. former whore house at, at the Baltic oh, Kiss, I think it'll be fine. Absolutely. So I'm recycling that material, yeah. yeah. That's cool. That's that's uh watch the fans are rushing <laughs> to, to get tickets now. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put the link above. Yeah. Don't try that at home. Yeah. I I actually the reason I ask is because for you you've done it for thirty seven years, yeah. Six years. You know, I I just went to my I have a notebook that I used to use to write down old material and I have notes that I used to use back then. Right. And I just saw this old joke that I, I, I don't, for no, for some reason I stopped doing it where I was bummed out. My buddy was murdered, but I was even more bummed out. I realized like I had just lent him 40 bucks <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> right before I, he was murdered. Right. You know, his family was asking for money for the <laughs> services. Like, I check his wallet. That's, there's my contribution yeah. there. <laughs> and I don't, I, for some reason I never go back to look at old stuff but i i want to now like that's funny yeah 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 and i feel sometimes I mean, not that your buddy was murdered <laughs> you know <laughs> it's a richmond joke <laughs> yeah it's re that's real nine for 804 pride of purpose <laughs> right right yeah, yeah yeah so um the city council will be voting on it later <laughs> <laughs> oh man so like does uh does being from richmond does that like um does that add to your, to your material? Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Like, when I was working the Yacht Club, I'm like, it's the safest place in America's <laughs> fifth most dangerous city. Is it? Right now it's fifth, right? Yeah, and I was wow. like, you know what? Unlike other places in Richmond, when you go outside, your car will still be there after the show. <laughs> Catalytic converter intact, you oh, know? Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. So, no, there's plenty of there's plenty of material here yeah. in Richmond, you yeah, know? Yeah, no. I, I, and if you're not laughing, you're crying. Right, right. You know? yeah. so. That's the... That's the um, 
it's such a weird thing because you know I grew up here back in the 90s when it was probably the worst it's ever been right when the, when the coach Carter right yeah and also in the 2000s where it was the murder capital of the country right. at one point yeah and um, it's funny my buddy said this uh, we were talking about this yesterday where he got offered to do a show in um, in San Francisco same night he also got offered a spot at the my buddy runs the show at the factory bar here in Richmond okay he decided I'm going to Richmond because that's probably safer <laughs> it's just a wild concept safer think, than what than, than 100 oh not Hunter's Point but like uh, downtown San Francisco area, okay yeah where I just did a show not that long ago and a shootout happened as, as was happening right in, in Richmond like, no San Francisco okay and um, I feel like it's crazy that this feels safer for comics I think according to the police when I've talked to them they said a lot of the Richmond crime is like sort of gang on gang and yeah. based on social yeah. media you know so I haven't been involved in too much. No, no. And it definitely is the murder isn't what it used to be when I grew up here. What right. I remember seeing, you know. You know, in Marina Bay, people are more like fighting <laughs> over boat slips. You know, it's just a bunch of old rich white guys going, get out of my boat slip. We'll pull yeah, my yeah. fucking yacht in here. What's going on? Yeah. And some of these shows I've done in like uh, the mission, uh, one of them particular mission, the walk there, man, you see guys oh, yeah. getting their fucking. Is that the one across from like the youth hostel there? Because uh, I've done some, I've done some shows you've done there. Some shows there, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I've done. I remember like doing. I mean, it's always it's been like that, but like doing shows near um, Tenderloin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just you know, it's a rough walk. Yeah, there. and I'm gambling my car, you know, coming back to. <laughs> Especially if you're tripping, yeah, exactly. like walking to the Warfield <laughs> for a concert, lunch rooms. It's uh, you're like this is a bad video game right here. This is some fucked up. <laughs> did, you, did you go? Did you see some cool shows at the Warfield? Oh, yeah, I saw up? the uh, Dark Star Orchestra on Friday night. Wow. It's a Grateful Dead recreation. Yeah, 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 yeah for old hippies. Yeah. It was fantastic. So, you, but growing up in the Bay Area, did you... Um, well, I grew up in New York. I was born here, but I grew New up York. in New York. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, oh, so so you in New York, what part of New York were you living? Uh, Long Island, Roslyn, oh. North Shore. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How was that growing up there? I grew up with um, uh, Bernie Madoff's kids were in my class. Who's? Bernie Madoff. Who's that? The Tom? guy who had the biggest Ponzi scheme of all time. Oh. The guy who, like, yeah. Took everybody's money. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was great. Great place to grow up. <laughs> I mean, you learned a lot. <laughs> close to, you know, could take a train into the city. Yeah. Uh, we had a great uh, music venue in my hometown called My Father's Place, mm -hmm. and uh, I got to see the Ramones uh, a bunch of times growing up, and I wow. saw all the bands at Madison Square Garden. And um, did you go to the CBGB? Yeah, I used to see Frank Zappa and the Grateful Dead and the Almond Brothers and Pink Floyd and the Stones. And at the, that, at that, place? and the Who? No, all over. Just all being over. in New York there. What you? CBGBs, I probably saw like the Ramones and, and uh, Blondie and Talking Heads and bands like that. That must have been incredible to see. Well, I was like 12 years old. I had a fake ID. Wow. I had a lot of fake IDs. Yeah. My ID is real now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a before after. Now it's to show it's I'm younger. Picture. Now I have the idea to show I'm younger. I'm 36. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That must have been interesting to see shows like that. Especially wow, knowing, it's the best. Knowing like what they become now. like It's a legendary. Well, you wouldn't think that the Ramones would become sort of like an iconic punk band with people in Japan wearing their t-shirts in 2024. Yeah. Because back then it was just like the 80s. It was like eight bucks we'd go see joey fall off stage and you know wow. it was fantastic i mean it was great and uh, i used to and love you, to see frank zappa as well and you had no idea the ramones were frank Ooh, how would you know <laughs> yeah right. you know what i mean they yeah, were just yeah. like a band from wherever right. queens or wherever they, they were from and you saw frank zappa there also i saw him at uh, the palladium he used to play on halloween every halloween so uh that yeah. must have been uh 
amazing. Oh yeah, life changing. Yeah, yeah incredible, yeah. incredible. Yeah. There's, I don't know. There's not a lot of bands that sound like the Frank Zappa, like you know. Well, he was one of the guys who actually injected humor into music. So, in addition to being an amazing um, composer and guitar player, his lyrics were incredible. His uh, his satire was amazing. That's the thing that like there's a lot of. Um, a lot of comics early on like gravitated towards him because like for me i was inspired by um you know by a lot of like uh, the, the music and and comedy that i heard in uh i grew up mexican a right. lot of, there's a lot of humor in in that and you know for example like i i draw inspiration more from of course, back then from uh, these these uh, sitcoms that I grew up watching where they would talk regular, like, you know, kind of like the just regular street talk. And, right. and they incorporated jokes in that. And, and that is what I wanted to sound like for stand-up. Was, was there something like that for you that for your stand-up? As far as inspiration, like what you wanted it to be like? Or no, what? you know, I really kind of like always had my own voice. Yeah. You know, I have comedians that I that I love and I revere. I love Henny Youngman. I love mm. um, Lenny Bruce. Oh. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Don Rickles, uh, Rodney Dangerfield, yeah. kind of because each of them move the art forward. Yeah. But I've never like felt like I you wanted to do what they did. I never felt like I sounded or acted like another comedian. I feel like I have my own unique thing going on. Definitely, definitely. Okay, yeah. No, man, that's that's a um, that's a that's a awesome thing that you you've, you've had like a, you you know. For, first of all, I've never met anyone that saw the Ramones in the eighties, seventies uh, or eighties. Eighties. 80s uh, got to perform with Gary Shandling yeah and uh, knew you met um, Hunter S. Thompson that's yeah that's a, that's a lot a, of counterculture right there yeah yeah yeah, no, yeah yeah I've also partied with the Grateful Dead when I was in high school wow yeah I partied with Bob Weir no way <laughs> yeah how was that unbelievable I mean it was cool we were like me and my friend were in high school we were trying to get songs to Jerry Garcia <laughs> and we ended up partying with uh, Bob Weir in, and the rest of the Grateful Dead entourage in their hotel rooms for three days three days Unbelievable. Wow. Tripping. Oh, I bet. And they were so nice to us, and I've been a fan ever since. Wow. They were really, like, cool. We were, like, high school guys. They wouldn't let any high school kids hang no, out with no, me no. now. They no. let us, like, <laughs> hang out. <laughs> like, we're, like, 16 years old, you know? Wow. And were really cool to us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where was this here in San Francisco? This was in um, in uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. And, and that weekend, The Clash, I don't know if you remember yeah, the rock band, yeah. they were staying in the hotel also. Wow. And so all the hippies and the punks were in the lobby and, you know, you know, I was there with the buddy, and we had a great weekend of misadventure with them. You're tripping on acid that uh, time. Yeah, oh wow, yeah, that's hard that's... tripping balls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, any, any crazy, any crazy uh, experiences tripping on on acid back in the days, especially? Um, many. <laughs> <laughs> any one that stands out? Um, you know, I don't want to advocate drug use. No, no, um, no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> how about when I I stopped? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Re, uh, well, I was at High Sierra Music Festival, and I. Really Realized I maybe had hit my quota, so I. It's just the microdose with the with the mushrooms. Don't panic; it's organic. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's that's insane. I, uh, partying with the Grateful Dead—that's like the that's the, the Super Bowl party. Yeah, it was cool. It was yeah. really a great experience, and and I'm still kind of fr uh, part of the culture and part of the part of the extended uh, family. There's yeah. a great community here in the Bay Area. Oh yeah, and I, I get bet. a lot of free tickets to stuff, and we all kind of look out for each other, and it's a good it's a good little 
little scene. Did you travel with him? Oh, yeah. Shows? I saw him hundreds of times. Really? Yeah, I loved it. That's the thing that I, I don't know any other band that has no. a following like no. that, where they all meet up at the same time. And shows. it's amazing. There's a lot of young kids going to the recreations now. Really? I mean, I'm from the Jerry era, right? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, Did you ever meet Jerry? No, I didn't. No. But a lot of kids, did, like at this Dark Star show, there were a bunch of young people there, and they seemed to be digging it. So. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. yeah. There's, there's, it, it, that's a thing that, like, with the Bay Area, there's so many things that have popped up here, you know? Yeah. Like the, absolutely. The Jerry Garcia thing, and I grew up a, a fan of Metallica. I didn't know they lived here in Richmond yeah. at one point, you know? Uh, I mean, at one point, I was um, doing a lot of stand up at the Purple Onion. Oh, yeah. Uh, there were shows produced by Jabari Davis, and I'm yeah. a huge Lenny Bruce fan. Mm -hmm. And, um, just working on the same stage that he worked on to me was like unbelievable that yeah that's one one of the venues i wish i would have done because when i started i saw a lot of the my peers doing that show with yeah. Ari and tony Hart's tony sparks was the host yeah tony that's how i got yeah. to know tony and um that uh, was it uh, lenny bruce did that uh george carlin uh, george everybody Parlin, everybody but, yeah. but lenny was like got dragged off the stage there and was arrested i mean oh, that was yeah. history was made there I mean, that's it's a real a, that's a trip to the heavy place Man. Yeah, and that's yeah. also a trip to think about that people were arrested for for saying he was the guy. Yeah, he took he took the hits, man. Yeah, him and Jim Morrison, if you think about it, musically, oh, yeah, yeah, they dragged him off stage and arrested him too. What? What? Why did he get? They said out? he exposed himself in, in in Florida, but I mean, he was just like you know riling up the crowds, and he was a rebel and against I guess the Vietnam War at the time. And, yeah, yeah. You know, the when you get loud enough, they put you in jail. It's 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 crazy to think that you know saying the f word got that guy arrested and now here you know well yeah <laughs> where we are now right what do you think the future for comedy is as a comic I think it's I think it's loosening up a little bit I mean I think you know I stopped doing it for five years once I saw um, Al Franken got canceled oh and, yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. like probably the nicest cleanest yeah. comic I've ever seen and yeah. then Louis C K got canceled yeah. and then Aziz Ansari got canceled <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and these are all guys who I think are great comics yeah. and I didn't think it was fair that they were being canceled and that their material was being weaponized against them right and so that's Especially when I comics, stopped yeah. and I had a day job at the time so I stopped mm -hmm. uh, and I think now and I hope now we're going in the other direction where people are going, you know what, the woke, the PC, it's not funny, it, it's not cool, mm -hmm. it's okay to tell dirty jokes, yeah. it's called humor, yeah. it's called sarcasm, and they're jokes, yeah. and people shouldn't be arrested for telling jokes, and so I think people are loosening up a little bit more, yeah. but I think that by the same token, so much of it is being broken into bits by um, TikTok, so you look at a guy like Matt Reif, and I know he's like the hot comic yeah, right now. Yeah. He's a TikTok comic. Right. Right? And yeah. so uh, and, I'm, and I'm sure the guy can do a set, but it seems like everything's like 15-second blips now. Yeah, you know? and, and that's the thing I don't like about where it is right now where, I mean, I know that's, we talked about this yesterday, that's, I guess, the thing you have to do now to get it out there. But, you have to. But it also, it just, it's a very, like, uh, it's marketed to, like, short attention span. Yeah. And, and that's not always, I mean, for us, you know, we do these, we shorten them down to an hour right. each episode because... Right. 
I guess it's for some for the algorithm. That's what everyone's dancing for the algorithm right now. Right. You have to keep it shorter, and it works if you put it out in like a five-second clip. But it's also like you know, if you only heard a five uh, twenty-second song, you know, <laughs> like that would suck. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like as a comedian, I like to do forty-minute sets. That's yeah. kind of my sweet spot. Yeah. And so a lot of times, if I'm doing someone else's show, they'll be like, "Yeah, come do ten minutes," and I like to do it because I like to, I guess, meet the yeah. other comedians and yeah. stuff. But to me, doing ten minutes. Just not what I do. I like to do at least 30, yeah. you know, just to kind of get into my groove and, and get it going. 10 minutes to me is just not where it's at. Yeah, I remember when I first started 2014, I did a... I, didn't, I went to Monterey for seven minutes. Right. <laughs> That's just, yeah, I mean, yeah. and could you get your groove on, really? Not really. No, no. no. Right? And it, it was it's good when you're starting out, but yeah. once you, like you, you've done it for so long, yeah. it's, it's you know, you uh, as they say, the young people say, you get cooking once you're at a, past 20 minutes. Yeah, and they say, yeah. like, in the old days, they would say you should have a clean five ready to go in L.A. Yeah. So if you're at the comedy store somewhere and there's an agent who's doing a sitcom, yeah. you should be able to come up and kill with five minutes of clean material because that's also what they not did. me you know yeah, I mean, yeah yeah right that's also what they did uh like the tonight show back then right right because i feel like that stuff doesn't hold the weight it does now like, no it, back then it did yeah it, now it's just you know because i know back then if you got on there you're guaranteed to go perform any club there's nothing like that anymore you don't really see like jimmy kimmel bringing no. on comedians anymore from and from, that's too yeah. bad actually yeah you know but you have that mass audience right because you had three channels yeah and if johnny invited you over you were a made comic right that doesn't exist anymore i guess the version of that now would be to blow up on tiktok but then that's that's not really even know. the guys who are like there's a lot of people on netflix who have specials now who you never heard of before no, or after not at all you know so there isn't like one medium that i think jettisons anyone except for tiktok which is kind of sad i guess i mean I don't know. yeah and also there's a thing right now i feel like you know when i was growing up i remember you know there's bits you can say to your you would say your the bits you saw on TV to your friends and you'd laugh and you remember that. Right. I don't think there's anything coming out now that you repeat it out. You no, know. There's not nothing much. memorable. No. 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 Um, and that may be just a function of how much material is being coming at us all the time. Yeah. Didn't you say, Phil, there's like a thing right now where like there's more content coming out every day on. Yeah. I read some statistic where like there's more content uploaded to YouTube every day than one person could <laughs> consume in a lifetime. Wow. There's something like yeah. 400,000 hours of content uploaded, uploaded every daily. day to YouTube. Yeah. I, I heard something was like 40,000 songs on Spotify every day. Yeah, that. So how do you get a mass you, audience? Unless you're performing live and you create an experience. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and I feel, for me, that's the way I, if I do a good set, you know, I can advertise, hey, I have a podcast. If you like this, then it right. helps because you gotta, it's, you gotta find a way to do it somehow where I can stay booked and also get eyes to this. Yeah. You know, like... Well, in the old days, you could put out an album, and if the album sold reasonably well, you could make a living from that, but yeah. that doesn't exist no, anymore. No, no. And I know some... I've seen some guys where they're selling, uh, you know, albums at shows, but right. not a lot of people come into... You know, I just yeah. saw it. Why do I want to see it again? Yeah. And that's such a weird, you know, like, I can go watch shit on TikTok or YouTube for free. Right. And it's really hard, you know, to... I guess the live... If you have a good live set, that's really... I mean, that's the, I feel that's the most important thing to have a really good. Right. Line. But then you almost don't want to put it up on the, on YouTube because <laughs> no. people are like, yeah, there's your best material. Yeah. You well, know? There, well, there's this weird cultural thing where like a lot of people don't 
collect physical media anymore because yeah. a lot of people are just like, well, why would I watch the same thing twice? Right. Like, it's weird that, like, we've lost this evergreen content because I'll still go back and watch, like, old comedy specials, whether it's Robin Williams, right. Bill Cosby, or Gabriel Iglesias, whoever. But are you physically putting in uh, the, the, the... I do. I still collect physical media you... because I'll go back and I'll rewatch stuff. But I feel like it seems like this current generation doesn't do that. They don't reconsume media because there's so much out there. They're right. like, why would I watch the same thing twice? There's so much I haven't seen yet. Yeah. Do you do that? Like, do you, uh, like when you watch... Stuff? I can watch, like, Rodney Dangerfield on the Johnny Carson show forever. Oh, yeah. Because that's the funniest yeah. shit on the planet. Yeah. I mean, he just kills. Especially like when the finally when he when he comes to sit next to him. Yeah, that's it's too much. Yeah. So it's, that's the funniest stuff in the world. Oh yeah, to, to me. Yeah, but do you are do you still watch like your own DVDs or your own? I always watch my stuff and then go, man, I gotta go on a diet. <laughs> I'm like the I'm like the before guy in the diet ads. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like I did one diet. I did the tequila diet. You know, lost about ten years. <laughs> lost about yeah. What was that? There was a, another bit you had about. Uh, I, I mentioned this earlier about when you were younger and you used to get sex for free. <laughs> yeah, when I was taller and thinner. I was like three inches taller in my 20s. I used to get sex for free. It was just funny. <laughs> that's, a, yeah. that's such a thing that like once you get older, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, that's... It's <laughs> slowing down a little bit. Hard to believe these single ladies. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we're down to the last uh, few minutes of the, of the podcast here. First of all, it's been great having you on. Yeah, a lot of fun. I, um... I want to. I hope it's been fun for the kids at home. Yeah, right. The kids listening. Um, Don't send this to the FBI. <laughs> this is evidence. Yeah, I'll no. never get on an airplane again. <laughs> is there any last stories? Any last things you want to put out there before uh, we sign off? Um, I, I always let this. If you have your, your social medias where you want to. Yeah, uh, DanGonzoMechanic.com, and uh, I just really want to say I appreciate one being on the show. I appreciate you guys setting up all this equipment and inviting oh, me on. Yeah. I'm looking forward to working with you on the 24th at the Baltic Kiss. Yeah. And I really appreciate my fans. Yeah. I've had a great, you know, core group of fans who've been really supporting my, my comeback and are coming to my shows and chanting Gonzo, Gonzo, Gonzo. And it, it means a lot to me. And so I just want people to know that I appreciate that. Oh, and I appreciate you taking time out of your day to come here and record with us. Uh, you also have a YouTube channel or do you? Yeah, well, I'll, well, I'll link to my, um, okay. to my website. website. Yeah, yeah, Dan Gonzo Mechanic. Com. And before we go, we just uh, you got um, you got the uh, tenth. Yeah, the 10th at the uh, Riggers Loft Winery. Riggers Loft Winery. And then I got uh, the 24th with you at the Baltic Kiss. And then uh, I believe the 19th at Max Broadway at, Max in Broadway. Fair, Fairfax. Yeah. And uh, sometime in <laughs> March, I think 7th, in Oakland. Oh, really? With, with that show with... Um, Comedy Cl Oakland? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Okay, yeah. Yeah, they'll all be on my website and stuff. Awesome. But well, definitely come see me and you. That's the show, right? Yeah, February 24th. 24th, the Baltic Kiss. It's going to be a great show. It's an 8.30 show, so it's actual nighttime. Yeah. Uh, we got Clara Bijel on there with us, who's also very funny. Okay. And it's going to be a good time. Awesome. One more time, thank you for coming out and thank being you guys. on the show. Thank where, you guys. It happened. It finally happened. We yeah. talked about this for a while. Yeah. Um, uh, thank you again for listening to all the listeners. That's been The Voice Party. And we're out. Oh, man. Once you take